Hello, everybody, and welcome. All thanks to LD Mobile. This is NBL Overtime. Boys, what a show. <laughs> RJ Hampton, not too far away. The Kamish is going to join us as well. And we've got signings. We've got some news about, well, to be fair, an extremely high-profile Australian boomer and plenty more, of course, wherever you might be, right around Australia, right around the world, get involved. Hashtag NBL Overtime. I'm going to start with, again, the best-dressed man when it comes to this particular show. Hello, homicide. You look, you look good. You look good, man. You got. Is this for us? This uh, you got something later on? <laughs> a little bit of both. Just <laughs> wanted to start the day off looking snazzy. So hopefully, I fit the bill. Well, you've done that, Liam Santa Maria. Hello to you. Hello, Cam. Huge show. Oh, huge. And it just we say this each and every week. The intensity is building as we head towards NBL Twenty One. So much getting on. Let's start though, because when we talk about getting ready. You got to get your imports in place, and South East Melbourne Phoenix have done exactly that this morning. A man, and you're going to tell us more in a second, Liam. A man who, above everything else, the tenacity he brings and pairing him with Mitch Creek is going to be incredibly fun to watch. It is. It's going to be exciting, and it's always exciting when uh, when the import signings drop. Ben Moore, a six-eight power forward, can play the four and the five. Um, played four years at SMU. Um, has you know, played in the G League, had a cup of coffee with the Indiana Pacers at one point, played with Ty Webster at Galatasaray not too long ago, and then last season um, with the Fort Wayne Mad Ants in the G League alongside Brian Bowen, incidentally. Um, so I like it. I like this guy. He's a high-energy guy, big motor, 6'8", but a 6'11", wingspan. They're going to look to play him at the four and the five. Great teammate, I'm told. Um, excellent defender. Guy can put it on the floor and get to the rim. Um, I spoke to Matt Nielsen, who coached him at the Summer League not too long ago with the uh, San Antonio Spurs. Said, great pickup. This is, this is exactly the type of guy they needed. And uh, they have an, a fast, high-energy front court that's going to be fun to watch. And Homicide, we spoke about this and, and the fact of waiting and waiting and waiting to see how it all sort of fits out. And Southeast Melbourne Phoenix did this. Yanni Wetzel, of course, recommitted a couple of weeks ago. Dame Pinot was outstanding last year in the centre. So they've been able to go and get a guy who does predominantly play that power forward position, but with the wingspan that Liam spoke about, can play centre as well. So you've been able to almost kill two birds with one stone here, knowing that Pinot and Wetzel can do what they do, and this guy fits. What I, what I really like about this pickup is not only his motor, he's, that combination between he and Mitch Creek is going to remind us a bit of what they were missing last year with the player who robbed us and only gave us five minutes of what could have been Ty Wesley. I think that combination is going to work pretty much similar to that, but he has a higher motive. So I'm, a, I'm really excited to see him him really pair up with that team, especially Mitch Creek. I think they're going to do some serious damage. And you got to remember, Andrew Bogut is not there. So a lot of teams do not have that dominant seven-foot center. So he's going to be able to do more damage, I feel. Not there yet. <laughs> Liam, are we to assume they're just going to play this high octane? We're just going to run and gun. And that's the type of import point guard they're going to roll in. Someone who off the rim or out the net gets the ball, two dribbles there off to the races. They're going to bring in a, a high level point guard for sure. Mm -hmm. A bucket getter, a guy who can push it in transition, of course, but is, 
is um, just as comfortable working in the half court. They've got some guys, I'm not going to name any names right now, but they've got some guys that they're looking at. One in particular who is really high level. So hopefully they can land him, make that work. The thing, one of the things I like about this Ben Moore signing, I flagged on the show a little while ago. When, with, when you've got Dane Pinot and you've got Yanni Wetzel, as Corey was just talking about, the, what you needed was a, a Cam Oliver type, a guy who, you know, Cam Oliver's 6'8 as well. Mm-hmm. Incredible athlete, you know, can do a whole bunch of very strong. But I, I like what they've got in Ben Moore in terms of that versatility. You can start him at the five with Creek at the four if you want. And you've got these two guys, two big horses off the bench that can come in and play that spot. Or you can slide him down. Those guys, a few of them can slide up and down that lineup really nicely. So I like the versatility that he brings most of all, as well as all those other intangibles. Dane Pinot's season last year, the one that took us all by surprise, and then also the very fact that he continued to play that high sort of uh, level as the year continued. So it wasn't like he rolled in, played a good first month, Keith Benson wasn't who we thought he was going to be. And Dane sort of got that good start to the year and sort of filtered out. They bought in. They didn't probably get the combination right in the second half of the year. But that's what Dane Pinot has done. He's gone to that next level. And when guys make that jump, either for an entire season or at least in the basis of the second half of the year and does it again in preseason, it makes recruiting so much easier. Rather than go out and get a guy, big center, they might yeah. change the way they're going to play. They know that Dane is there. He's going to give them... You know, if he starts 10, 11, 12 boards a game, we know he's great defensively and he doesn't really need to put up a huge amount of points. So Tommy Greer, Simon Mitchell, the entire crew, they must be like, he's made our life a lot easier last year when it comes to recruiting the guy who fits and it looks like it's this guy. And you're sleeping on Yanni too. Can't well, believe you're sleeping on our guy. I'm not sleeping on him. I'm simply saying we've seen Dame Pinot do it. I expect Yanni Wetzel to be able to do it. I didn't burn his jersey for a reason, Liam. I still got it hanging at home in the rafters in my house. So uh, I'm not sleeping on Yanni. I just know yeah. Dane's been able to do but it. But it's going to be fascinating to see how they work those rotations. They've got, mm-hmm. they've got so many different ways they can go. They can slide Creek down to the three and play more at the four. Pinot and Wetzel in the middle. Um, lots of things they can do. They're going to be very difficult to play against if you are not ready for 40 minutes of pressure <laughs> in their front court. Oh, this just fires it up, doesn't it? It just fires us up already, Homicide. When there's signings and we're, we're talking run and gun and we're talking getting up and we're, we're playing 40 minutes, you know we're getting close. Yeah, super excited, man. I mean, it's right around the corner. Got less than about, what, 50-something days before this thing kicks off. So I'm just really, really excited, just like all these players are. Forget me. How about the rest of the, the league? Yeah. Hashtag NBL overtime. It has been the longest preseason of all time for, for pretty much every single player almost in the world right now outside of the NBA guys. Hashtag NBL overtime to get involved. Jump on at NBL on our socials. Check out the highlights from the big fella. The Phoenix have put up a mountain of stuff as well. So check it out. And Phoenix fans, you will not be disappointed. In fact, neutral fans. If your team's not playing the Phoenix, you're going to enjoy what he's got to be able to do. So check it out at NBL or on the Phoenix socials. All right. RJ Hampton. We got to know him last year. We're excited about what he's able to do. He's getting closer and closer to draft day. He's been working his backside off. He's going to tell us how it's all been going next, right after we look back at uh, these incredible highlights from the young man. There you go. Hampton. 
Hampton. Oh! More impressive than this one here. Bang, bang. You sleep, I creep on the rim. That is. Good ball movement is Hampton. Oh, oh wow. Put it on the singler after he got a block. Are we going to count to the stuff? Just in case you need a reminding, boys, our man RJ Hampton. We see right there some of the highlights from last year. We've been watching him on Instagram. The NBA draft, so much different. So much has changed in 2020. But in the end, so much stays the same because. Our man, RJ Hampton, is going to be, in our opinion, at least a lottery pick sooner rather than later. RJ, welcome back to NBL Overtime. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Hey, look, when you joined us just over 12 months ago, we were talking about the season and, of course, the excitement leading to New Zealand Breakers. So much has changed. 2020 has been really turned upside down. But going through what you have when it comes to interviews and working out and all the rest of it, is it still everything you expected it to be? The excitement, the nerves, and everything that leads to the NBA draft? I think for sure. I definitely think the excitement, the nerves, um, just the overall experience hasn't been too bad, you know, compared to, you know, previous years that I've heard from guys. Honestly, um, I'm enjoying this process. You know, it's a little over nine days, eight days away. So uh, the nerves, the excitements are all kind of ramping up now. RJ, what, uh, what part of the process thus far have you enjoyed the most? I think the part I enjoyed the most is probably just interacting with the teams on Zoom, uh, talking to them, getting to know them, um, them getting to know me. Uh, so, you know, whatever team drafts me, I think we'll have a good, you know, uh, relationship already built, you know, from our Zoom calls. If you had a, if you had a choice, a personal choice, would you rather go to the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you asked me maybe, like, five years ago. I'd probably say the East because, I mean, but I think, honestly, there's so many great guards for me personally in both conferences now. Like, I think the NBA this year is going to be probably one of the best years we've seen in about 10 years as far as talent-wise. So, it's really – you can't even decide on that. This is going to be a little bit different. You mentioned the draft is about to happen. We expect the NBA season to start just over a month away. So there's going to be you're straight into it. There's no, uh, here's a rookie camp. Here's summer league. Here is a little bit of getting used to. Uh, have you had to change the way your thought process is going to be? Because you'll get drafted. You'll go straight almost into camp, straight into a season. Has that changed anything of, of how you're approaching things? Not really. I think ever since I've been back, I've been training as if I had an NBA game the next day. Um, mm -hmm. Just, you know, with, you know, my trainer, Tyler, uh, Mike Miller, Penny, we've been just getting me ready um, for that next level as soon as possible. And like you said, um, just over a month, uh, I'll be playing in the NBA game and uh, I'm prepared to be on the court 20, 25 minutes uh, and being productive. Love that. Ajay, you mentioned, you mentioned those guys, Mike Miller and Penny Hardaway in particular, who NBA fans over the years would know oh so well. What, how big have they been for you over the past six, seven months? They've been a huge help. Um, you know, Penny is one of the greatest, you know, players of all time, a Hall of Famer. Uh, Mike's one of the greatest shooters of all time. Uh, and I think those are two uh, areas in my game that I wanted to improve the most when I came back was my shot and my ability to be a, a pure point guard. And, you know, who better to go to um, to really, you know, teach you how to be those two things. So for the past six, seven months, um, all the wisdom, all the knowledge uh, that they've given me, uh, you know, you can't, you can't beat that. With a lot of the experience and wisdom and knowledge that you have gotten from those two, how frustrating was it 
for you not to be able to go five on five in those workouts? Uh, I think it's super frustrating. You know, I think uh, if I would have went five on five and, you know, workouts and playing with, you know, other guys, um, I think <laughs> there would be a lot of changes in this upcoming draft. Um, but, you know, keeping my mind sharp, um, you know, honing in on my skills um, and just, you know, being ready when the opportunity presents itself. Ajay, you mentioned the, the Zoom calls you've been having with, with NBA teams. What are the things, maybe the two or three things you get a sense teams are loving about you the most? I would say, honestly, just my work ethic, my, my passion for the game. Uh, I'm a hard worker. Um, I'm going to get better every single day I step on the court, whether that's, you know, practice or game. Uh, and I think just my aggression, my my fast pace, my my speed, my athleticism, um, you know, you can teach, you know, how to be a, you know, a point guard. You can teach uh, someone how to shoot the ball. Um, I think you're just, you're, you're born with athleticism. You're born with speed. And, you know, I use that to my advantage every single time I step on the court. And that's almost the same stuff you said to us last time when you when you met with us leading into the season, of course. How much do you think it's helped you confidence-wise to where you are today that you've already had a year under your belt as a pro? I think it's helped me tremendous. Uh, you know, playing with those guys I played with on my team, uh, playing with those great, playing against those great guards in the NBL. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great guards in the NBA. Um, and I think I'm just, a, you know, one, two steps ahead of those guys coming out of college uh, where I know certain actions, where I know certain defensive schemes um, to where, you know, when the coach does put me in or I do step on that floor uh, December 22nd, you know, it's not a, you know, a huge learning curve. How's your, how's your dad, man? <laughs> <laughs> He's doing good. He's doing good. Yeah, and your mom and your sister. I mean, your brother. Yeah, they're they're all they're all good. They're all yeah. you know super excited, waiting. Yeah, Who's the most nervous in the in the crew? My dad's the most nervous. <laughs> <laughs> My hands down. Hey, right. You mentioned the workouts, and we get to see a lot of them on on Instagram as well, and and we love the access we get, and we're able to see those those slight sort of subtle changes in some parts of your game or. You know, be your shooting style, the be the way you've been able to get up and above the rim, which is something we did see a little bit. But with with Mike Miller, with, with Penny, and with the people you're working out with, was there one or two things that you really concentrated on even a little bit more than than other areas of your game the last couple of months? I would say my shot. Um, being being a high 30s, low 40s, three points three point shooter is something I want to be in two to three years. I think with my combination of athleticism and speed. If I'm able to knock down those open jumpers, you know, off the screen or, you know, uh, catch and shoot, uh, that's only going to make guys run out at me, you know, run me off the line, and then I'm playing towards my advantage. I'm going to say one question that's probably been asked of you every one of those meetings with teams is about, like, the, the treatment you got from the seasoned pros overseas. Right. How many times have you told the Ben Madgen Southeast Melbourne Phoenix story? <laughs> I, I honestly, I've probably told that story. I probably interviewed for about 15 teams. I definitely, it definitely has come up about seven or eight times for sure. <laughs> how do you answer it? When they ask you about it, how do you answer it? I mean, I think I forgot which team it was, um, but I think I answered it. Like they were like, um, you think your, your retaliation was necessary. And I told them, I said, yeah, I think it was very necessary. Uh, I think, you know, if I would have bagged down or if I would have, you know, played to his advantage, um, you lose respect doing that. Uh, I did get ejected from the game. Um, you know, my team was hurt in that game, but I gained a lot of respect from other guys in the league and across the, the you know, the, the NBL and NBA and college world. Um, being an 18-year-old that's, you know, not afraid of, you know, the competition or the bright lights. So um, that team, 
uh, you know, they were like, you know, we feel the same exact way. And they also said they don't think I should have been ejected. <laughs> At nighttime, you know, thinking about the, the the possibilities, what could happen, you know, what may happen. How are you sleeping at night? I mean, honestly, just I turn on some Netflix, some Disney Plus, and just try not to think about it. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Hey, I, I want to ask you about um, your situation in New Zealand. I'm sure you've spoken about that a lot as well, about how it was a really competitive team, a team loaded with talent, a lot of veterans on that team. It's a very different scenario to what Lamelo found himself with in Illawarra, especially after yeah. Aaron Brooks went down. How do you feel if the roles had been reversed and you right. ended up on that Hawks team and he was over there in New Zealand with that breakers situation, how would things look different in the landscape right now, do you think? Um, you know, I think I'd be considered as the number one pick right now. Uh, I think, you know, getting the ball, you know, doing what LaMelo did, he's a great player. And, you know, he really showcased his talent. But, you know, uh, do I think that I would have rather been in that position? I really don't think so. You know, now being seven, eight months down the line, uh, maybe if you would have asked me that three, four months ago, five, six, seven, eight months ago, I might have said, you know what, I, I like that situation. But honestly, you know, being able to learn from Scotty Hobson, Corey Webster, Sec Henry, um, that's only going to help me. You know, the draft is only one night. You know, you get called for five seconds. You're happy for a day and then you go to work. Um, and then that, that all that's behind you. So uh, I think that's going to help me, you know, two, three, four years down the line, um, you know, for my second contract. You mentioned the draft. It's a lot different. You're not going to New York this year. You're not going to be sitting in the green room and nervously waiting. Camera is going to be right in your face. How does it work for you? I mean, being it virtual and all the rest of it, do you have everyone over? We've seen a little bit of this with the NFL draft earlier in the year. Do you, do you have a big family there? Does everyone, your family and friends, how does draft night look for you? Yeah, uh, probably going to be at the house, uh, family and friends, uh, you know, coming out, supporting. Um, I think, you know, ESPN is going to send, you know, a camera crew and, you know, there'll be local media there. Uh, so it'll be a lot better coverage. I think the NFL draft was right in the middle of lockdown. So it was a lot harder to really have people there. But the NBA draft and, you know, this next coming week, uh, I think it'll be a lot better. Do, do, do you have or you find yourself having extra friends now, text messages that you haven't heard from someone for five years or on the cusp of the NBA and where you are saying, hey, RJ, what up? Uh, remember me from eighth grade? You get much of that? Um, I got a lot of that when I, I uh, decided to go overseas, and yep. I think I'll get a lot of that on Wednesday night. Yeah, I have no doubt. <laughs> Damn, stay out of his DMs, mate. <laughs> it was one time. I, I was just saying what is up. <laughs> hey, uh, RJ, uh, what happened to you guy, Jalen Green? You didn't, you didn't get him down here. Hey, I, I told him if he wanted to go down there, that'd be a good spot for him. And he played, he made his own decision. I can't, <laughs> can't put that one on me. <laughs> we're so excited for you, man. Yeah. We, can, we cannot you. wait. You're, you're our guy. I'm, we're so impressed. I speak on behalf of all three of us, mm -hmm. but also everyone in the NBL with, with how you've handled everything from the day you made the decision and the announcement to now you're such an impressive young man and on and off the floor and we cannot wait to watch your what's going to be an awesome career i appreciate you guys so much aj thank you we echo the words of lamb centenary we will get you back up we will have you back on nbl overtime when you're yes. an nba player which is going to be sooner rather than later hashtag nbl overtime to get involved aj good luck thank you guys take care
Hashtag NBL overtime to get involved. And of course, something we've spoken about a fair bit over the last couple of months, boys, the working board, the NBL reconciliation action plan that was being put together and has been announced in the last 24 hours. Continue the pathways of development. And to be honest, more players both on and then people who work in the NBL off the court who are Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander and Jeremy Laliga the commissioner who's been a huge part of a co-chair of the board joins us now with the announcement. And this is exciting stuff for league. Jeremy, as we welcome you in. Yeah, thanks very much. It is. It's a great day. I'm really proud of the organization and, and all of our people for really getting behind this initiative. They've been wholeheartedly supportive of what it is that we're seeking to do. And we've had an amazing uh, working group working on this document now for a number of months. Um, it's been a really collaborative approach and I've learned a huge amount from being involved in that process. And uh, it's the start of a, a long journey, um, one that we're looking forward to undertaking. And I'm sure there'll be a hell of a lot more learning along the way. And that, that's a good point you make there. When you put the working group together and, and people from so many different parts of both basketball inside and, and outside of it and where we sit today, no doubt we'll learn them. I think we learn here at NBL Overtime from having some of those conversations. We continue to learn. But there's now those steps have been put in place to make sure that not only do we all learn, hopefully as society, but also gives opportunities to so many more people to be given the opportunities that a lot of us have been in the past. Yeah, there's some really important different elements to what it is that we're trying to achieve. One is the education of people uh, internal to the league and its clubs. And um, then there's that piece where we feel we can do play a role in, in educating our fan base as well. Um, and then there's the proactive encouragement of more Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders into the basketball environment, um, whether that's on court, off court, head office, clubs, uh, every little bit is important um, and look, the, the initial stages of pulling together all the relevant policies and, and documentation to make sure that we do it justice um, and that we do it well. And uh, as you alluded to, it's, um, it's the first part of a longer journey of, um, well, of reconciliation. And that is exactly why it is easier for me to get up every day and work hard for you guys because of things like this. As a man of color, whether I'm Australian or not, just the fact that the league has taken these steps, giant steps to bridge the gap and want to do more in, in bridging the gap with the cultures, that, that's an incredible thing, man. And I just appreciate that in itself. Yeah, thanks, Corey. And it's, it's important that we do do more to bridge the gap because to be perfectly honest, we, pride ourselves as being an inclusive, diverse organisation because we represent an incredibly inclusive and diverse sport. It's played by people all over the world of every ethnicity, creed and colour. Um, here in Australia, though, we haven't yet done enough to encourage our own First Nations people to be more involved in the ecosystem to date. And so there are steps in this plan that relate to... Uh, you know, organisational matters in terms of our own recruitment at head office and those sorts of things, they're really important. But one thing that was a real passion point for everyone involved, I think, was the basketball pathway piece and the fact that this is a game that truly lends itself to being able to be even more inclusive and proactive and engaged to give young Indigenous Australians an opportunity to um, be identified, to be developed and 
motivated and encouraged to play at grassroots and to have that opportunity to work their way up to becoming professional basketballers, whether it's in the NBL, WNBL or elsewhere. Um, and we've had some great pioneers in that regard and we look forward to helping others along on that journey. Jeremy, ultimately, how would you like to see this plan? What, what kind of impact would you like to see this plan have on the basketball landscape over the next kind of five to, to 10 years? Yeah, I guess there's a couple of really important elements. One is, I alluded to grassroots a moment ago, one is that we are more supportive of um, a lot of the grassroots programs that are out there in terms of increasing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander participation in basketball. Um, just in terms of pure numbers, giving more people access to the sport that we know they love, to be able to play it both in a social um, context, but also in an organised uh, environment. Um, and that is the first step towards encouraging uh, long and prosperous careers. And so the longer term objective is that we see more of those people then, I was going to say trickle down, but trickle up, I guess, into the elite form of the game. And so there are three key elements to our pathway piece, I guess. The first is that we're going to ensure that we work with all of those grassroots talent identification tournaments and all the rest to, to find uh, at least nine young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander players to participate in the NBL Next Gen program each year. Uh, so they'll be mixing it with and will be some of the best of the best in the country. And part of the challenge is we know that the talent is already out there identifying them because it's a big country and uh, sometimes a lot of those young people don't get the uh, same opportunities to exposure and identification as a lot of uh, a lot of the rest of the population um, so there's a lot of work to be done there in order to I guess broaden that filter to begin with to get people into to next gen and the competitions that lead into it then the next stage is from next gen we really want to encourage MBL clubs to identify players to come on board as either contracted players or development players. And so the NBL is committing to meeting half of the, the minimum salary of uh, any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander development players on NBL rosters. And then from there, uh, and this is a, a really exciting uh, initiative that we, we still need to finesse all the detail with the Australian Basketball Players Association and others, but the, the overarching policy is that for an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander player entering into their first NBL contract, none of their salary for the term of that contract will count towards the team's salary cap. So that's a really important proactive financial incentive for clubs to invest in identifying and, and championing that talent. And then for the term of their second contract, only 50% of their salary would count towards the salary cap. So there's a really good incentive there for people to be scratching more than scratching the surface, but digging deep in terms of finding great First Nations talent. That is huge. Mm. That is huge because there's another Patty Mills out there somewhere. There's another Nate Jawai out there somewhere. So for them to actually know that there is opportunity like this and they work their asses off enough, they can be paid and be a pro in one of the best leagues in the world. That's enough motivation for them to get up, get up and go get busy. Well, I think it's motivation for the players. It's motivation for the clubs as well. And one of the important elements is that clubs who want to participate in this regime will also need to um, ascribe to the league's policies and protocols in terms of training, education, um, cultural awareness, 
And so uh, it all comes together as part of the wine ecosystem and we will all improve and learn together and provide a, a safe environment uh, for everyone to get along cohesively and, and just be the best people that they can be. How did you, how'd you find the working group? Was there, does anyone, uh, did anyone sort of show out in that setting as like, oh, wow, I'm so glad we got that person involved? Oh, look, the, the entire group was really, really um, collaborative. Everyone was involved. No one was sitting quietly in a corner, I can tell you. Um, a special thanks to Leanne Brook, my, my co-chair of the working group, who uh, is from the Long Walk and, and Essendon Football Club, whose learnings were invaluable, and she was a great source of support to me. And really interesting learning for me from all of this is having someone to ask the questions of when you don't know yourself, but otherwise feel potentially awkward um, asking those questions. Mm -hmm. Sometimes just the asking of the question makes you feel inappropriate for not having known the answer in the first place. feel like you should know. So having Leanne there was a great source of support for me and for the group. Um, I think uh, I don't want to single anyone out in particular, but um, everyone brought different experiences and that was really important. So having former players and current players on there the likes of Kerry Williams, Tyson Demos, Nate Jawai, Cal Bruton, Danny Morsu was invaluable. Uh, I think Tyson in particular, having been involved in so many different aspects of the NBL over recent years, was able to shed some light on different experiences for me that perhaps I hadn't appreciated before. And uh, he's been a fantastic resource to the NBL and to clubs now and, and to many young players over the years. And I'm, I'm hoping that that will continue to be the case. I guess with a little bit of those current or past players as well, the, the creation of the wellbeing officer, the NBL at, at head office, a lot of that, I guess, was based around their experiences and therefore some of the help and guidance they may have felt they needed over their pro careers. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And the learnings that we've taken there are not just from basketball either. It's from a multitude of sports and we've looked at best practice. And now we, we get into the, the nitty gritty of identifying the best person or people for that role. And I think there's a, um, a role there to be played too in terms of their broader involvement, not just in the NBL, but in the broader basketball ecosystem. And so we'll talk with the Australian Basketball Players Association about how we can potentially um, maybe fill those roles jointly or make sure that those roles service different elements of the basketball ecosystem to ensure that um, people feel supported, not just once they hit the pro ranks, but all the way through their development and that they're not going from one ecosystem into another, into another, as they graduate through the progression of, of um, competitions and, and status, I guess, but there is some continuity to their experience and also continuity in terms of the education and understanding of the, the different clubs and, and leagues that they'll be progressing through. NBL.com.au to see not just the plan as well, but all the learnings and the continual development and the steps to take to exactly see where the NBL is headed on the back of what has been a wonderful and a very fruitful three or four months and the start of learnings for so many people, both within the NBL community and fans right across the country. NBL.com.au. All right, Kamish, we can call you, we call you Kamish on the show. I know you're watching, you, we can call you Kamish, right? <laughs> Um, you can call me whatever you want within the realms of decency. Uh -oh. Fair enough. I like that. That's a great um, <laughs> We just had RJ Hampton on the show. Uh, we see Lamello Ball, of course, continuing to suggest a lot of reports that he'll go number one. Humility is something we don't do on this show very well, Jeremy. So this is interesting the next 30 seconds or so from you. But 
you're the brains behind this. This whole program, when you came up with it a couple of years ago, the idea was that at some point we would get a number one pick that played in the NBL. You've now forced the NBA's hand and the G League's hand a little bit too, and we'll see those changes going forward the next couple of months. Is there a great sense of pride that sits with yourself and everyone who worked with it to see what is going to probably happen the next eight or nine days? There's a great sense of pride, but um, it's pride certainly shared with others. And, and to say I'm the brains behind this is, is far too generous. Um, certainly it was a collaborative effort. And it was something that Larry and I actually explored a number of years ago, quite early on in the piece. And um, I, I guess it was put on the back burner for a little while while we made sure that the NBL got its its legs under itself and that we were actually the product that we wanted to be before we tried too boldly to take it to the rest of the world. And once we got it back to that position, it was actually a conversation with one of our um, uh, player agents, Daniel Moldovan, who reignited the spark of interest uh, between Larry and I as to why, you know, we, we sort of raised this previously, but it's now coming to us from a third party. Maybe it does have more merit. And then it took probably another year from there to, for us to develop to the point where we were attracting really high caliber players. And um, it, it's, it, it is a proud moment, and I, I hope that RJ and Lamello go uh, exceptionally well on the 18th of November. I have every confidence that they will because they're both extremely talented young basketballers and, and great young men, and they deserve every success that comes their way. How do you feel about um, the way those two guys in particular have been, um, I guess, representing or reflecting the NBL throughout this process thus far? Um, they're, they're both very different individuals and um, Lamello does most of his talking on the court and he played exceptionally well while he was here and since then he's done a really good job I think of bunkering down and focusing on what he does best which is um, playing basketball and, and I'm sure that he'll get drafted very highly as a result whereas RJ uh, I guess is more I wouldn't say comfortable. I think they're both comfortable in front of the cameras. They've both spent a lot of time in front of the cameras, but um, RJ is certainly um, more expressive in terms of talking about his learnings and experience with the league. Uh, and I think he's done an incredible job of um, putting that into words. And uh, it's, it's been a very proud moment for me to see a number of his different interviews. I'm sure he's interviewed extremely well with the clubs uh, from the NBA that he's been interviewing with. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, I hope that that continues uh, during the course of their next season. Once they're both you know, first round draft picks and contract with NBA clubs, I hope that they continue to talk of the NBL fondly and remember their time here. When you started to talk this conversation or when you introduced it, did you expect it to happen this fast? Like we're really only three seasons into this and we're, we're legitimately talking about a number one pick. Like as much as you allow yourself to dream or hope this is where it ends up, has the speed of this taken a little bit by surprise? It has. Um, we thought that it would ramp up over the years and that eventually we'd be in the conversation about uh, potential top 10 draft picks. Um, but RJ and Lamello really changed that narrative very, very quickly. And uh, we're, we're indebted to them for doing so. Um, they both made very bold, ambitious choices. Yep. Um, and they came from very different backgrounds. So I think RJ had probably more alternatives on the table uh, and made that decision to come to the NBL, which was a turning point for us. And that was 
actually prior to Lamello signing, and I'm sure was an important factor in Lamello signing as well, was knowing that he had a, uh, a peer that would also be a part of the Next Stars program in the same year, and that that would uh, help generate more attention uh, around his time here in, in Australia. Um, but we're, we're very, very lucky to have had them. I don't think we yet appreciate uh, just how lucky we have been to have them on our shores for that period of time. I think 10 years from now, when we're watching all-star games that these guys are playing in, uh, we'll then look back and go, can you believe we saw their first pro games, uh, or at least in RJ's case, Lamello, you know, he's, uh, he played in Lithuania previously, but can you believe that we were there the first time he scored triple-double or the back-to-back triple-doubles? Um, I think we'll pinch ourselves and... Uh, history will be made in, in the next 10 years or so. You, uh, you got a couple of other next stars on the way, Jeremy? It's a really interesting question and, and context, I guess, at the moment. COVID-19 has complicated things a hell of a lot. Yeah. Um, we've obviously got some great new next stars already signed for this coming season, and I'm really excited to see Divi Lutzada back with the Sydney Kings, which was always, I guess, the plan. Um, to have Justinian Jessup coming and, and we'll wait and see what happens during the draft, whether or not he gets picked up and is a draft and stash or, or uh, otherwise if he gets contracted by an NBA team after the draft. It's going to be an intriguing uh, year or season for him at the Hawks. And then, of course, Mojave King and Josh Giddy, who are, are going to be part of the next big Australian push into the NBA, I have every confidence. So those four signed, um, I'm incredibly excited about. We are continuing to engage in conversations with a number of other players, both out of the US and elsewhere. But I'll tell you what, it, it is difficult in the current circumstances um, for parents to make a decision for their young sons to leave uh, the, the security blanket of home and come to the other side of the world to play basketball uh, is an interesting discussion at present. And, of course, we've now been told that the NCAA will progress and start their season in the next few weeks. Um, and uh, the NBA's G League has also introduced a, an academy that, you know, some would say competes with Next Stars. Uh, I guess to some extent it does, but I also think it's very complementary in that our two programs are very, very different to one another and they're each going to suit uh, different players in terms of what it is that they need to prove to NBA clubs uh, in order to get drafted. So I do think that they will coexist, but certainly um, it, it does, when there is a scarcity of talent and telling circumstances, challenging circumstances, uh, it, it does make for some interesting conversations. Now, now Kamish, that was extremely well said. I don't want you to answer here, but you forced a hand. You forced the G League's hand from what you were doing here in the NBL. We've spoken about this and you don't need to comment, but the very fact is that what you have been able to introduce so successfully last two or three NBL seasons is the exact reason they're going to try and keep their kids on shore on their US soil by doing exactly that. So uh, I don't know that we forced their hand rather than that it was probably inevitable um, that, that the NBA would, of course, want to create connections with players as early as possible and perhaps um, us instituting the Next Stars program made it a little bit easier for them to have those sorts of conversations as well, that um, if they were the ones who were perhaps breaking the mould and encouraging kids not to go and play college basketball, that might have been a step too far. Um, but given that we had those conversations first and players were starting to leave the US and come to Australia, it probably gave them an opportunity to, to do something different. I'll, I'll change from force to hand 
to allowed their hand. That that that, that fit better. <laughs> sure. Liam, how, how are you enjoying all these uh, these donut days here in Melbourne and uh, all these borders starting to open up around the country? I'm glad you clarified. I thought you were. I was going to say my stomach's not in camera. Is it? The donut days aren't showing that much already. Are hey, they? hey, that, that's um, that's outside the sense of decency when we. Uh, right. Good. Good. No, look, it's um, look, it just goes to show how quickly everything's changing, and that's both incredibly encouraging here in Melbourne at the moment, and will probably keep me awake at night for the next six months uh, or even longer until the season plays out because things can change very quickly for the better, as we're saying at the moment. They can also change for the worse, as we saw a few months back. Um, but it's great coming into summer, at least with some. Freedom back here in in the great city of Melbourne. Um, I hope it continues that way across the country and in New Zealand and that we have uh, as few interruptions to the season as possible. That January 15 was a a date we would have suggested a little while ago. For fans around the country, are we still kind of tracking towards that that roundabout date? Yeah, we are. So we said mid-January and I think a couple of days either side of that 15 January is still looking the most likely start date. Um, we're, We're still having really good conversations with a number of state governments around the possibility of a a hub for a period of time um, in order to potentially, let's say, bank some content or or be able to accelerate play at the beginning of the season to ensure that we we have um, aggregated content just in case uh, anything unforeseen happens at some point during the season. But it's really around, um, I guess, creating contingency plans as insurance policies now and uh, as we see the country start to open up, hopefully it continues to do so, but it would be remiss of us not to have contingency plans in place. Um, but yes, we are still aiming for the middle of January to, to kick the season off. Are you starting to get a little bit more confident that Melbourne United fans, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix fans, maybe even New Zealand Breakers fans might be able to see home games in their home cities this season? I think that's a distinct possibility. Um, the New Zealand border discussions are still providing us with a great deal of logistical difficulty, um, particularly in respect of their imports, but also the imports for each of the Australian-based NBL clubs being able to enter New Zealand. So we'll need to see how that plays out over the, the course of time. Um, in terms of the two Melbourne-based teams, certainly the, the announcements from the Victorian government of recent times would lead us to believe that there is every possibility uh, that, yes, fans will be able to go and see the Phoenix and United play in person in Melbourne this season. All right, last question, Kamish. <clears throat> Next week, NBA draft, uh, Lamello Ball one, RJ Hampton, the lottery. You smoke a cigar? You just put your feet up for a split second? You stop the political conversation to smoke a stogie? I won't be smoking a stogie, but I, I, might have a, uh, I might have a glass of bubbles. Done, beautifully done. A little higher up the shelf, so to speak. (laughs) Hey, love you dropping by as always, mate. Great job on everything that's been happening last, in particular, last couple of days. And we'll talk again soon. Go on, you guys. Thanks very much for having me. There's the commission. Look, I'd be breaking out a cigar. I think this this has been, we've spoken about it. It's been a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful initiative from the NBL, both from an on-call perspective and a product, but also what they hope to achieve and looking forward to the NBA draft. All right, Phoebe coming on, Liam. I'm going to go straight to you here because Will Weaver, talking about the NBA, currently in the United States, in quarantine, of course, the OKC job, also reports that he's going to have a chat to the Houston Rockets about an assistant role. What can you tell us? 
Well, you just nailed it there. I mean, you're right. There is so much going on. We've got one of our head coaches right in the mix over there in the States right now, um, about to potentially get hired into one of these positions. So, yes, the process with Oklahoma City has been a long one. Um, a lot of stuff done here before he left. And then, yes, there was certainly it got to a point where it was worthwhile getting on that plane, getting over there and getting face to face for the rest of that process. So we wait with bated breath to find out whether or not um, uh, he's going to be leaving the Kings and taking up that head coaching position in Oklahoma City. But to be honest, it's killing a few birds with one stone with that trip. Because, yeah, you mentioned those ongoing conversations with the Houston Rockets who have recently announced their new head coach about a potential assistant um also with the new orleans pelicans we've spoken about his relationships within that organization those conversations are ongoing as well and you can bet your bottom dollar that the process is now well and truly underway in the harbor city to you know with paul smith and chris pongrass and the like to say we need to make sure we're organized because this is becoming a distinct possibility what are we going to do if we lose our man? So very, very exciting for Will Weaver and can't wait to hear uh, you know, potentially an announcement in the next little while. Was it you that tweeted the other day, Homicide, about how great this is? Is that no cupcake league? It's not just the players going to the next level, it's the coaches as well? Yes, it was me. You read the whole tweet out right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a great look. It just, you know, I look at it like this. If this was third division, Lithuania or third division Italy and he was coaching there would he have this opportunity no it's the strength and the respect of this league and the success that he's had with a star-studded team that's allowed this opportunity to come because look the reality is this there's a million coaches they can choose from in America so for him that just goes to show you the quality that he is and how he's valued just to even have these conversations, several of them on many different levels with several teams. So, you know, again, man, like you, you, there's a lot of people that, that say certain things about this league and goes to show you not only players are getting opportunities, but coaches now are as well. And good luck either way. Just to be sitting over there is sure. a great look. Good luck. Hopefully it converts. Hey, some bad injury news to come out of the West in the last week. Majuk Majuk, two-time championship player, the ruptured Achilles. Now, uh, we did see a photo, I think, on the Wildcats social media a couple of days ago. He's had surgery, went well. And now we obviously wish him all luck in getting the rehab and getting back on court. You loved him last year, Homicide. You loved the way that he played. You loved his excitement. You loved his energy. So this is, this is going to be something that's going to hurt the depth of the Wildcats bench a little bit. Very unfortunate. Um, he was a part of their championship team. Obviously, he... Played his behind off. Trevor Gleason gave him a lifeline, and he didn't disappoint with the minutes that he got. Quality pickup, but it's unfortunate that these injuries occur. Now the question is, who will they get to replace him? David Anderson, maybe? Well, Liam, can you give us a little insight? Jock Landau's name was mentioned in an article uh, over, I think, in the West Australian on the back of it. And uh, I did like the Perth Wildcats putting out a, a meme or a little video saying all the DMs they're getting from players they've never heard of as the Wildcats obviously try to scramble. What, what are you hearing? Is, is Landale a possibility to replace Majuk Majuk? And I love Majuk Majuk, but that's an upgrade. Well, of course. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, the report from Josh uh, Gallup uh, in the Western West Australian and uh, referenced Jonah Bolden as well, saying that the Wildcats are going to 
place a call for those guys and find out what's going on. Of course they are. That's mm-hmm. doing your due diligence. It doesn't mean there's any interest from any of those kind of guys. Now, <clears throat> the status with both Jock Landau and Jonah Bolden right now is they are singularly focused on getting an NBA contract, right? So NBA free agency's what, maybe 10 days away? It's, going to, it's likely to start the day or two after the draft drops because there's not much time here. So those guys are focused and their agents are focused on getting that deal. And they're confident too. Certainly Jock Landau, that's the reason why he's not in Europe right now. That's the reason why he's not playing over there in the Euro League because he's confident he's going to get an NBA deal and he's focused on getting one done. Now, he is an interesting case study at the moment because... I'm confident he's going to get a deal as well. You and I watched him at the Summer League last year from the Milwaukee Bucks. Absolutely tore that thing apart. Was out and out, obviously, an NBA player. Then he went to the World Cup, showed on the world stage that he is of that standard. So he's not flying under the radar. Teams know what he can do. But there is no deal currently in place. What is in place is him training with Melbourne United. Hello. Which I find very interesting because they still need a centre. They need a starting center. They've got, obviously, their import spots up their sleeve, but he's developing a relationship there. They're developing relationship with him. And, um, you know, we've seen that happen with Ty Webster in New Zealand. Uh, Jack White signed with Melbourne United because he trained with them over a period of time over years. If you're Melbourne United right now, I think you're pretty silly if you sign an import in the next minute or so, right? The next week or so, because who knows? Maybe are, are John Landale doesn't get an NBA deal. And if he doesn't, I would not be a, sh- a shock at all now under the current state of play, what's going on in Europe, to see him land with Melbourne United. John Landale will be in the NBA. Come on, man. Hey, I hear This is Jock Landale. You just set the tone. What did he do in summer league last year? Killed it. <laughs> then he didn't sign an NBA because of what? His contract in Europe, right? Wasn't it that? Mm-hmm. Okay. He went to Europe, did what he usually does, puts up the numbers, then comes back on the world stage, shows he belong in the league, and now he is a free agent. Mm. You already know what's about to happen. I, I agree. He's going to be he's gonna be in the NBA. I, I agree. I agree. But let's, the fact that you said it, you've said it previously when you say, well, Will, Ma- Will Magna is going to be MVP. And we say, what about Bryce Cotton? And you say, well, he's not here right now. That's the current situation, yeah? Well, he doesn't have that NBA deal in his back pocket right now. And you know, NBA opportunities, it's always so much about timing and situation. And he is at that level. Does he get a deal done now? Hopefully, if he doesn't, Vince Cravalli and Dean Vickerman are going to be all up in his DMs. In in a split second, (laughs) you you did mention... About Melbourne United, don't sign an import in the next week or two. Yeah. Are you hearing they're going to pull the trigger soon? No, I'm not. But look, you see Southeast Melbourne, they announced their import big. And I think there's another team that's around the corner with it with an import announcement. (laughs) You know, if you're Melbourne United, you're wondering, why don't we have our import big just yet? Jock Landau is probably the reason why. Who's the other team with the import five? I can't remember. Save it for yes or no. I can't. I've already got one ready to go, but I will. Hey, let's start because you know what the best thing about this is? Today's pretty much the last day we don't have live basketball until Christmas. 
because the WNBL starts tomorrow. Yeah. The girls up in the Harbin Basketball Australia and WNBL have done a really good job. Of course, no imports this year, but it's allowed more scope to have so many of our talented uh, women who might have played internationally, all be a lot of them in the same spot as we head towards Tokyo. We know how impressive and, and how great the Opals have been for the last 30 years, medal after medal after medal, throw a gold in there as well. This is exciting, Liam, and I'll start with you because you and I are, are lucky enough to be a part of the commentary team as well. This is going to be cool. It is. It's very exciting. So much incredible talent on display. And um, it's going to, what is it going to be? Like a six week sprint? Six weeks, uh, December 20 grand final. Very hectic schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, the teams are stacked, locked and loaded. They've been in quarantine. I think they're coming out right about now. Yep. Ready to uh, tip things off tomorrow night. And uh, I can't wait to get amongst it. I, I, I can't wait, Corey, for one of these teams. It might be a little bit underrated, or at least on paper, people aren't picking them to be good. Get on one of the, this is going to be a tournament feel. And they just get on a run, and they're confident. They're having the time of their lives. And uh, I think it's going to be cool to watch because the basketball is going to be next level. Yeah, I'll be excited. I'll be locked in from the couch and listening to you guys do your thing. So good luck to them. Can't wait to catch a couple of games. Well, tune in because uh, I've got the opener tomorrow night on KO, so make sure you don't miss okay. it. All right. <laughs> hashtag NBL overtime to get involved. Liam, is this the most NBL comp we're about to get into ever? Is the what? NBL. What? Is it the most open from oh. one to nine? Um, ever. Ever. No. Do you get paid by the ball camp homicide? Why do you think I get paid by the ball Yes camp? or no? No, I'm asking this question. Why because you, you hype him up a lot. I was just wondering, as, as a hype guy. Something. When I, when I didn't, wasn't hyping him up, mm -hmm. and he proved me wrong, mm -hmm. what is wrong with saying how I feel about this? I am not, question I'm not 100% against you hyping him up. I'm simply asking, do but you, you ask? This is your third time asking this. Mm -hmm. I don't like that question because I find that offensive. I, well, my apologies. Because if I was hyping somebody else yeah. up who I, I hype up Will Magnet, why you don't ask that? Well, you haven't hyped up Magnet as much as you do LaMelo Ball in your social. Because Magnet's not in the draft. All right, so you're going to hype Magnet up when we get to the season just as much. I've hyped Magnet up just as much. How did he get his nickname? Well, he doesn't like it, but that was you. It doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. My question is, <laughs> uh, my answer is that is, of course no. not, I'm not getting paid. Liam, will NBL 21 prove that home court advantage is overrated? No. Would the NBL all-star team bet a G League all-star team? Homicide? Can you say that again? NBL All-Star team. Would it beat a G League All-Star team? Uh, uh, no. What? Same question, Liam. I assume you say yes. Of course. Liam, within the tw next 12 months... Uh-oh. Do you have a current job offer that would mean you couldn't do NBL overtime anymore? No. Will the Kings I'm, make the play? I'm committed, Cam. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. But I just I'm like you, I'm locked I, in and ready to go. I have been here for 99 of our episodes. I missed one because I had, well, possibly in hindsight, I might have had the first ever coronavirus. It was only the flu. But remember that I only died 12 months ago. Uh, 
<laughs> How much time will the Kings make the playoffs? Of course. Liam, who is the team? Yes or no? Is it the Brisbane Bullets about to announce a import centre? <laughs> you're you're a piece of work. You you are a piece of work. You said three weeks ago. You said my 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 yes or no are soft. Then I bring a little heat, and now you want to all fight me. The Brisbane Bullets are one of the teams that need an import, and I can't wait till they knuckle their guy down and put him out there. Jeez. So yes or no is now turned into knuckle down or no knuckle down. Well, you said uh, two weeks ago that you that you had something ready for yes or no that was going to blow NBL overtime apart, and we're still waiting. Well, to be fair, I thought that the job offer you'd been offered might have been the one, but you've committed to the show, so I'm good going forward. Good. I'm Let's good. Homicide's taking offense or something, so it might be blown up anyway. Because this is a hundredth show. A hundredth show. Can you believe that? Two years, a hundred shows into this thing. Boom. And we've never had a blue. Well, not on air. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag NBL overtime. Homicide, you look great. You want the last word? Integrity is something I don't play with. Don't play with mine. Done. Beautifully done. We'll see you next. You got another word, Liam, or you're right? Put some respect on the man's name. I'm, I'm not disrespecting him. It's a simple question that I won't ask you. You asked again. me three times this year. When did I ask you about you getting paid by the ball? You game? asked me three times this year. I take offense to that. All I right. answered the first time, no. We'll go back the over the tape. going number one, Hang and on. you act like I'm getting paid as if I'm the only Wait. one that is hyped. Firstly, this I, is what I, I believe. We're going to go like over that. the tape. And this is what I'm going to do. If I go to the tape and I've asked you that exact question before, Dude, you, why would I you, will why apologize. Think I answered you like this. You I will, asked me this before. We will get the tape. You don't have to get the tape. I, do I act like this if you ask me something? No, you don't. But I, okay, I, then. So clearly, okay, I've heard okay. this before. All right. Then I apologize. because I believe you got to do. Just don't ask me nothing like that no more, man. Done. We're out of here. Peace. <laughs>